for love like this are ugly, mad, full of sweat and regret. This love burns you and maims you, twists you inside out. It is a monstrous love, and it makes monsters of us all. Hey guys, welcome back to Spooky Tuesday, a weekly podcast where we're breaking down all of our favorite slashers, thrillers, monster movies, and black comedies on the new scariest day of the week. I'm Sydney Thompson. I'm Monica Hyatt. And I'm Chelsea Duff. And listeners, sweet spookies, let us introduce you to Romance Month. Ah, do you feel the vibes? Can you feel the spooky love tonight or today or this morning whenever you're listening? Whatever time is appropriate for you. You. I mean, no matter if you were feeling romantic before, after that song, you're definitely feeling it. You are like in the mood now. I'm you're Mm -hmm. welcome, listener. Thank you for setting the mood because we really needed that seriously and this is an aphrodisiac movie um if yeah it is if you did not listen to last episode and so you're like what the fuck is going on what is romance month let me tell you about it this month is february you know what happens in february valentine's day you know romance about love romance you get it you've heard of it there's a lot of it in many many things there's also a lot of it in horror movies so we have put together slash are still putting together because we're still not sure about a couple of the movies later on in the month. They're only four weeks in a month. Um, we're going to figure it out. We're going to be gonna so strong out. and decisive. It's fine. We are um, so strong. We're so decisive. Um, <laughs> but we have put together so, some films that are both horrific and romantic and give me, Monica Height this particular sense of um, romantic despair and longing. Um and where did that sense and that feeling originate for me, Monica? It originated in the 2015 film Crimson Peak. It might have created the, this feeling of despair um, or at least made, like, made it a, like indelible brand on my heart. <laughs> this movie, um, it came out in 2015. Like we said, it's a Guillermo del Toro movie. He is the best ever. Um, and I'll start it off with the IMDb logline so we can get that out of the way. It's a long one. In the aftermath of a family tragedy, an aspiring author is torn between love for her childhood friend and the temptation of a mysterious outsider. Trying to escape the ghosts of her past, she is swept away to a house that breathes, bleeds, and remembers. That is a horny chill. I got horny. (laughs) Chills. Oh my God. This movie. Uh, this movie okay. does it for me i'm so sorry i don't know about y'all but it does it for me i have such a weird fucking relationship with this movie i think Why? i brought this up on the pod before but the first time i ever watched this i fell into the same trap that like a lot of people fell into with this movie it was like marketed as like a hardcore horror movie horror. yeah like they thought it was gonna be scary it was gonna be bloody like guillermo has done so many like 
insane crazy monster things in his some of his other films we're expecting this to be super super horrific which it's not this is a gothic romance that's what it is it has a lot of amazing horror elements but it's not it's not that like true blue horror movie so I was going in expecting that my pants scared off me and I remember sitting in the movie theater I saw this like opening weekend and I remember thinking this is stupid I think I turned to my friend I said this is stupid I'm not scared at all. And I like <laughs> wrote it off and I like watched the rest of the movie and I was like, that was a disappointment. And then every single day for the next three weeks, I thought about Thomas Sharp. I dreamed about him every night. I'm not kidding. I literally was plagued with thoughts about this movie. It's like my senior year of college just came out. I could not stop thinking about it. And I think I must have watched it again after that. But then again, I watched it this fall and I was like, perfect. It's raining. This is going to be amazing. I got all cozy, but I couldn't like focus. Um, I was really distracted. I was really on my phone. And so I really wasn't paying attention. And I was like, damn, I thought I loved this movie. Like what's happening to me? Well, don't worry, honey. I figured out the what to do. You put your fucking phone away and you watch every single second of this movie because it's all about the nuance. It really, really is. And like, I cried this time. I cried yesterday. I sobbed like a little bitch. <laughs> I love this movie. It is, I think this movie is so underrated for the exact same reason yes. you were saying, because a lot of people expected a horror and got a romance. But I don't know, this movie, the way, like the horror is subtle, but it creates great tension that oh, makes yes. you- like on the edge of your seat like you might not be scared but you're like anxious and like shaking yes. because everybody is so sexy Ugh. and uh what is the dark secret <laughs> fame Guillermo del Toro uh Fame's character actor. actor yeah mm -hmm. uh Doug Jones is all of the ghosts in this movie he plays all of them yes I think there's one other guy who does some of the, the body work too. And I can't remember his name. I just read an article about it, but like, yeah, it's like when Doug's involved, you know, it's going to slap fucking hard. And like, he's these got that ghosts, spooky skinny body. <laughs> these ghosts are like scary and a little also sexy. Cause it's Doug Jones. <laughs> Doug Jones like, is you know an, an absolute star. Yeah, that's true. Um, I also saw this movie in theaters um I said a little bit when we introduced at the end of the last episode but I saw it in theaters um I did fall asleep um <laughs> I did wake up enough or see enough to be like yeah I get it um I got a couple details like wrong but I didn't I mean upon watching it for the only the second time all the way through awake the whole time I I got enough you know what I mean like I had put all the pieces together that I needed to really um I am personally still waiting to have my moment of like personal connection to the film, I think. Um, Cause even though I tried to do for this film, what I did for orphan, um, which was like create the ambiance in my room. I even did like little earplugs in with my uh, bone conduction headphones to really block out the outside world as best as possible. I just like, I didn't get sucked in, but like, it is still a very good movie. It still has like really great technical elements across the board. Um, 
there's there's not much that I would like change about it per se, but I would love to um like if they ever showed it at Synespia, um oh, this and you could like great... sit in the cemetery with a crowd and see it on a big screen. And if there was like a fine mist of a drizzle, you know what I mean, and you took a movie watching supplement, I think that would be I think you would um have the best experience of your life, possibly. Yeah. And we're all dressed up in like Victorian garb. I yes, mean, if somebody I wants wear to costume exactly the dress me, that yeah, I, I am wearing right now, I would wear this dress. I'm wearing my crimson dress that I wore to be a vampire. So <laughs> it's perfect. Also, just before we get too far away from it, I looked up who the other actor is who does the um who is some of the ghosts, and his name is Javier Botet or Bote. I do not know how to say his last name. And he was Enola, Margaret, and Pamela. And Doug mm-hmm. Jones was Edith's mother. And Lady Sharp. So incredible acting. That is acting. It's amazing. Oh, okay. I mean, I I said it a little bit before, but I think what really so like blew me away this time is like the acting from this like incredible cast that we have here because it's like pretty star studded. This Um, is a stacked cast. It's so fucking stacked. We have Edith, who's our main lady, played by Mia insert last name Kelsey. thank you um and then we have <laughs> jessica chastain one of the sexiest women or person in the world playing probably. a brunette brunette yes. jessica chastain bloody brunette jessica chastain oh, that's like a so next good. level experience i think oh yeah it will change you she just plays lucille sharp and then we have my og love i uh, there are few people that i have gone on air on Los Angeles radio live to do an insane rant about, but it's only one person actually, and it's Tom Hiddleston. Uh, <laughs> there's something about him, and I think the Loki of it all has has ruined it for me a little bit. Um, oh, I felt like that was what really think, introduced him to most people. Um, why? Yeah, and I really liked him in it, and then he like continued to be in Got it exploded. so much. Yeah. And um and then also I was just very upset when he dated Taylor Swift because that was at the height of my I hit hate Taylor Swift phase. Don't he worry, girlies. I like her now again. Um, but that's what sort I went on the around. rants about on the radio sure. was about them dating, and it was he did do a unhinged. very charming GQ interview. You know how GQ always does really great cover stories. His was very fun. Uh, I think he like hooked man. for her. He's incredible. Did y'all ever watch Midnight in Paris? Yes. So he plays F. Scott Fitzgerald in that movie. And that came out in like 2011. And that's when I fell in love with Tom Hiddleston because one, F. Scott. Because Zelda, his wife, Alabama queen. I love her. That bitch is crazy. F. Scott Fitzgerald kind of sucked though and took credit for a lot of Zelda's work or something like that. Or am I thinking of? Yeah, Yeah, no, that's him. That's why Zelda (laughs) doesn't make that Hiddleston less sexy though. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) No, he's still very sexy, but. Zelda man, queen. She's the queen. We also have Charlie Hunnam in this movie. Wait, um, sorry. As... What made you love Tom Hiddleston if it wasn't Loki? What came before that? I don't fucking remember. I just feel this like insane like thirst for him that is unquenchable. I can't even remember what other movies I've ever even seen him in. I don't remember where it started, but this love has always been with me. 
Adam just walked in red as I said, I have a <laughs> thirst for him that is unquenchable. He's I was Adam, it's not you. I wasn't right talking now. about Tom Hiddleston. I was talking about you, Adam. Jealous. <laughs> Don't even worry about it, baby. Everything's fine. I have only have eyes for you and Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> Is he eating out of a whole pot? He's eating out of a whole rice cooker pot right now. So that's why he can't express his jealous rage. He's just shoving rice in his mouth. <laughs> Things are getting crazy over here. Things are getting wild. Things are getting wild and it's just the beginning. Um, But also Charlie Hunnam is hot. He's very and, attractive in this movie. Yeah. I'm like, like, I don't blame Edith for not giving a fuck about him anymore because Tom Hiddleston is right there. Um, but and he's British. He's British. And he's got a title. <gasps> and he likes her book. She doesn't like his title though. The title isn't the appeal for her. In fact, she calls him a parasite landowner. I know, which is so funny. He's also, not in the sense that he doesn't actually have anybody working for him. So he's she actually doesn't broke. Know that. He's a broke bitch, but yeah. Yeah, and she like talks so much fucking shit about him. <laughs> At, like the second she hears about him, she's like, he's a fucking weeb, like be weeb. Why did I say weeb? I mean, <laughs> in today's modern age, do we feel that he might be? I don't know. He could be a weeb. I think in a I'm modern to say adaptation. Dweeb. Um, he's a bitch and I hate him. That's what she was trying to say. But it was honestly <laughs> just to dunk on um she's Eunice. Just being so Hunnam, aka Dr. Alan McMichael's sister. What's her name? Eunice. 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 And mm. Mrs. McMichael, who clearly they dislike each other. They've got beef, yeah. They got mad beef. They got mad beef. Puckering. I mean, make sure um, you know where your place is. Okay, damn. That was honestly like a sick fucking burn, though. That was sick. Mm -hmm. Like it was. Super I don't know if there's mean. a place for me. I know where your place is, bitch. In the everybody has their place. <laughs> so good. I also would just like, like to say um, that I think that Carter Cushing, the dad, Jim Beaver, is a very handsome man and good for him. <laughs> I love when he's like, I need a girdle. And she's like, no, you're such a young man. I love their relationship, especially Me because, too. you know, Edith's mother died of cholera. So yeah. young. The black cholera. And she immediately her. turned into a spooky ghost played by Doug Jones. Which, uh, what a great mother. That's mother. Okay. That's, That's mother. mother. That's mother. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't usually like it when movies do that thing where here's the end of the movie at the beginning. How will we get here? It always pisses me off because I'm like, no, I know that she's going to have a face cut or a spooky <laughs> in the snow. Like, but I always forget about how I have the memory of a goldfish. So I always forget <laughs> the beginning by the end. So that's what Guillermo's banking on. I guess that's what any director's banking on when they do that. And He's okay, like, everybody yeah, is right. stupid and they will never remember an hour ago. Well, yeah, but also uh, it's right. not like the the voiceover doesn't say like, here's the end of the story. Now let's get to the beginning. Like a lot of movies do do that where they show you the end and explicitly tell you this is the end. This one just gives you like something completely out of context. And I think totally. maybe 
would you know for sure that it was the end? I don't know. You might get like a hint of things, but I think it confuses you enough by going back to when she was 10 first so that you almost forget that the whole thing is actually sort of a flashback and not just that one flashback flashback. Yeah. No, I think that it works. It worked out very nice. And that quote slaps. The What is it, Sydney? Ghosts are real and I... This, this much I, I know. know. This much I know. Oh, so true. So true. I love how this movie is kind of like, I don't know if meta is the word. Let me know if I'm using meta wrong right now. Because <laughs> Edith... E- wow, is her name real weird? Edith is like a writer right and she writes ghost stories and she's trying to be like mary shelley and it's fucking awesome and she's got those weird little glasses and she they kind of slap on her um but she's like the ghosts are a metaphor for the past it's not really about the ghosts; they're just a metaphor for the past and it's just like that's what the that's this movie actually too yes Mm -hmm. and i think you're using meta correctly Okay, yeah, I think it's meta. Um, also, I didn't <laughs> notice this. Um, at the very, very end, this is not like a spoiler. There's like a picture. I think it's in the credits. There's like a picture of a book, and it's called Crimson Peak, and it says Crimson Peak by Edith, Edith Cushing. Cushing. Yeah, mm. and so she like they show it in the beginning too as like the title card. Yeah. Oh, but it yeah. doesn't say okay. by Edith Cushing on there at first. They get that part Yeah, later, so at the end, it does say that. And then it has, like, the singed pages, which we'll get to. Ooh. So it's like, oh, is this whole thing, like, her, her. retelling of the, of the story? Or is it a story? And we don't know what I mean. Like, is it an actual story? And, like, none of this actually happened? Oh, food for thought. Mm, it's on her mind the whole time. Jeez. No, don't do that. <laughs> I'm um... kidding. I'm kidding. It's real. <laughs> it's real to me. This could happen. I believe in ghosts. I, I absolutely shit. believe in ghosts. I've seen ghosts. Yeah. I've lived with ghosts. Like, ghosts are real. I'm so jealous. It is interesting. A house uh-huh. built in the 1800s. Moving to two houses built in the 1800s. You'll find ghosts. Oh, yeah. You had that Ohio closet ghost? Yep. And in Chicago, our house was built in the 1800s, too. So, two houses built in the 1800s. I love old there you houses. Go. See, this Throwback. is why it's bad to live in California, because you can't get to ghosts that easy. That is um, true. that's not what the mediator series taught me, Monica. Okay, well, you know, I haven't had my ghost experience yet. Poltergeist is in California. How dare you? Okay, Anywhere well, could be built talking, on top of a cemetery. That's a different type of haunting. Okay, we're talking <laughs> about the 1800s house haunting, and I can't have sure, that because sure, sure. my house was built in like 1910. It's very old, but not old enough to have a fucking ghost, apparently. Sure. But a lot of rats and foundation damage. But no ghosts. Yeah. Setting. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, the ghost thing is interesting. Like it is, they do the meta thing for sure by being like, what is a ghost? But blah, 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 blah. Um, But I, I mean, her whole discourse about like a ghost story versus a story with a ghost, I think is kind of a thesis statement for the film for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, It's not a ghost story, but I mean, the ghosts are not doing like a typical haunting thing. Like she gets into that at the end a little bit. Like some of them are ghosts from the past. And then some of them are sort of like ghosties for the future, which is what we see in the beginning with her mom. When her mom, she says like, she came out of time to warn me. Um, and it's like, beware of something in, far in the future. Um, yeah, beware of Crimson which, Peak. 
is super interesting as a concept also that ghosts like have access to this uh, I mean obviously a ghost has access to the astral plane or whatever but for them to have like information about the future yeah I mean time lives a flat circle etc so makes sense to me that you would have greater access to that once you're less tied into the chronological experience um but I I like I like that element a lot yeah I really really like that too I don't know I just I just loved how the ghost played out in this. Like, it is spooky. It is scary. I jumped a couple of times. Um, but they're, like, really just, like, like just trauma um, embodied or come to life once again, you know? Well, but she, like, they said, like, uh, isn't it, what's his she name? She breaks it down to the two categories. Yeah, like, Alan talks to her, and he's like, look at these images, like, you can oh, see I them here and they're attached to certain things. And so like houses or things like keep like spirits because it could have been like a really emotional thing or some whatever they said. Yeah. And, That's what she breaks down in the two categories at the end for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's also interesting there because he said the thing about the man who's colorblind and he only knows about the mm-hmm. colors like red and green or whatever because he's been told about them. Yeah. And so it's He like, just believes that everybody's not gaslighting him. He's yeah. he's putting his faith in us. Yeah, but it's also it's like could also be the opposite too. Like she can see things that other people can't, can't see because like she believes that she can see them, that kind of a thing. It's yeah, great foreshadowing. Gas- gaslighting you about there being another the color. existence of extra colors shrimps can see more colors than us that is true there's a whole bunch of shit out there that we can't see <gasps> my son spencer uh he is colorblind so uh, spencer don't listen to this i'm gonna start gaslighting you about what colors things are <laughs> oh my god that's so blue up. and that's always been blue you're crazy to think otherwise i don't know what you're talking about so bef- like as we discuss this movie i'm gonna bring this up a lot so I'm going to bring it up now um I was reading this uh, um article on morbidly beautiful which I really mm-hmm. like the name of that website um and they led me to a series of tweets that Guillermo did himself where he released like bios of like I don't know if he he did it for Alan McMichael and Carter Cushing um, but like he he wrote bios and these this whole lore for every single one of the characters or the major players in this movie to flesh out everything going on with them. Because, you know, in this movie, we have a lot of people that obviously have like a lot of like family trauma and all this stuff. And it's brought up, but we never get like super, super detail on it. Well, he did the goddamn work. Um this is like that you can really sense that with the characters that they're they're so layered and that this is why so he literally did these article or these these bios that had like their birthdays their star signs um their likes their dislikes like their favorite foods foods that they don't like that sort of thing and then like a bio of everything about like their past um, um so there's like a lot of info about like how Carter Cushing came to be like you know an industrial success industry like titan. i don't know what the industry titan thank you um titan of the industry a tycoon <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man now i'm thinking about roller coaster tycoon uh, 
<laughs> and zoo tycoon um and then it also has like the whole background story and this is what i liked the most of thomas and lucille and how they got to be like that um oh, and so fucked up? through yes it's so <laughs> fucked up it's super fucked up um and so i'm not gonna bring it all up up right now but i just like throughout i'm going to be bringing it up these little facts that I know and some of it was changed because like for example like in this it said that he uh Lucille was originally eight years older than Thomas mm. um and so she was supposed to be 42 during this movie and and he was supposed to be 35 and Mia or sorry Edith is 24 um but I think they, they changed it because in the movie I think Sydney you're saying that he, uh, she was 14 right and he's and he or like when they murdered one of the parents she was like 14 and he was 12 yeah so they changed it to a two-year um age gap which, which is... changes a lot of the context um sure. but it's fucked up <laughs> yeah um i mean a little bit i mean i i'm kind of a big spoiler i guess but low stakes it's very flowers in the attic of them when they're literally talking about being children confined to the attic together so yeah I mean for for me like part of the reason that this movie gives me that particular feeling of despair and longing um is because like you kind of as a viewer or maybe just me but I think Sydney too jury out on Chelsea fall in love with Tom <laughs> Hiddleston too uh, as the movie progresses even though oh, bad yep. things are happening <laughs> and so like having the and it, it that's what gave me the despair because you like love him but he's bad too and he's done these bad things but he's also a victim too and so is mm -hmm. Lucille it's complicated. um it's super super complicated and it's just like deeply tragic so like the background story on that um was really really interesting but they had a really cute things about like um each character so i'm just i'll just tell you really quickly their star signs because it will for inform everything about the next few minutes of this of this episode i know it will change everything and it makes a lot of sense yeah it makes so much sense okay so first things first our girl edith is a libra birthday october 9th october Feels 9th that's a cute one it's a cute birthday. Our boy Thomas, the love of my life, is an Aquarius and he was born February 18th. I have so many feelings about him. It's really problematic. <laughs> anyway, it's fine. I'm gonna get the love it. of your it was, life. That's a strong declaration. I'm so sorry, but I literally like, why do you think I had dreams about him for three weeks after I first saw this movie? Anyway, it's fine. Um, and then the funniest one for me is our girl Lucille is an Aries and her birthday is the day after mine. <laughs> Which, so, that's just so scans. Yeah. She yeah, also yeah. loves Thomas Hiddleston. Thomas she Hiddleston. She also loves like Thomas that. so Everybody much loves that Tommy she Boy. could die. <laughs> oh, man. But I just think the beginning part of this movie I always am like okay like it's the least good part of the movie but watching it this time I was really blown away by all the subtlety with the acting like this particularly by Jessica Chastain like um knowing what I know now like once she comes into the picture 
Um, she does a really good job of of being like so seethingly jealous of everything that's going on, but so 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 incredibly subtly. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's really amazing. There's like an oh. argument one of the articles I read that was like they should not like negate horror in the Oscars because like honestly she deserved a nom for best supporting actress. Yes. Also, um. Uh, fun through line because we're so smart another crazy lady playing the piano so true although I would I mean well I uh-huh. thought you were talking about um Vera Farmiga at first but no. you're so right Esther you're so right played the piano mm-hmm. another crazy lady sure did she sure I was like, did I was like how dare you speak that way about Vera Farmiga but no okay <laughs> fair <laughs> I found kind of like you but it was like a villain wiki site ooh, and wiki it, site. yeah and it had lucille and villains wiki right and so Amazing. it says Classic. like power skills high intellect resourcefulness wealth weaponry specifically knives but the hobby the hobbies the hobbies and the goals kill me hobby planning how to kill her victims playing the piano <laughs> Goals. Not cooking? Nope. Goals. Kill Edith Cushion and inherit wealth with her brother. Failed. Sad. Oh, my God. But Never want to see a girl boss win. Crimes. Uh, murder. Sure. Matricide. Fratricide. Mm-hmm. Incest. Animal cruelty. Yeah. Yeah. That dog did do a little squeal. But yeah. I was just like, this is the funniest like bio i've ever read in that my is entire life so funny that in comparison to like the heartfelt blood on the page guillermo del toro handwritten bio <laughs> oh man two equally but important texts in the beginning of this movie too like just the the, fir- the first half how about that because we're past the beginning um, if some man waited in the rain for me to make me go to a party, I would go also just saying, um, and something about, uh, the candle waltz. Oh, was so sexy. Just so deeply important to me. I was like, please dance. Like, I love to dance. I love to do a formal dance. Ugh, she wore the cool cape. I don't know. It was amazing. Eunice she was did have jaw the- on the floor. <laughs> poor Eunice honestly her mommy's kind of a bitch but her brother seems fine so we don't really know which way she fell on that spectrum um yeah Alan's great Mia Wasikowska absolutely showed her up not only did she show up late on the hand of the man that Eunice thought she was courting but then she takes off that capelet and she's got little spaghetti straps underneath nobody else there's in spaghetti straps yeah big all covered up neck to wrists you know what i mean and that blood red gown gorgeous which was so pretty and it had like the little yeah, I think- bit of a bustle in the butt a little bit which is always fun <laughs> i think that um the way they dressed uh lucille throughout the movie too and like these very severe like roughly like all of her body covered gowns um and that's the reason that I think she's wearing all that is because she has like a ton of scars um, in the bio because she was <laughs> abused by her mom and her dad so much mm. as a child. Um, and so that's like 
part of the whole lore like apparently she had like all these scars like uh jessica chastain had all these scars like um on her body that were like um oh my god fx makeup sorry couldn't think of what i was saying um fx makeup and like even when they weren't gonna be yeah uh prosthetics and even when they weren't going to be shown in the scene she like still would have them on like apparently she went full like oh fuck what's the guy who played batman method acting not robert pattinson she was full method on yeah she went like christian bale level with this this role like you know everyone talks about like christian bale like oh he goes way too hard austin butler and his Uh, okay not as cringe (laughs) not as cringe (laughs) <laughs> but apparently, like, Jessica Chastain got, like, really, really into this. She was always having them put on, like, the scars underneath her clothing to, like, feel a part of the character. She got super depressed because this is hella sad. Okay, yeah, but did was, you like, notice really them intense. visually at all in the scenes where her she's wearing the little nighties that are falling off her shoulder? Because I didn't notice them. I didn't either, but I did notice the ones on her face and on her lip. Um, okay. She has, she has one, like, coming from her her skull, like right on her forehead and she has one on her lip and they're very subtle but apparently they're a lot more maybe there are other scenes where they are shown more um that's so interesting though because um she she I think she was the first actress cast in this movie like Guillermo del Toro was talking about it with her originally and originally wanted her to play Edith and then she said what if I play Lucille instead and he said okay um but she was filming another movie like at the same time like flying back and forth to be filming both of them at once which is like fascinating how you could have your brain in order to do that but maybe that was part of the process I guess like let me get all of these prosthetics put on so that I'm making sure I'm in my little Lucille brain instead of whatever the other role was yeah I don't know I mean yeah because I think it makes the ending when she's like wearing the off the shoulder nighty all the more like jarring Dramatic. because she's been so like sexy. covered up the entire time very sexy um so sexy oh my been, god yeah her tight like updo and everything that she she had um but I I also really love um the the scene in the park with with um the three of them where Tom Hiddleston's wearing those tiny little glasses and I was like he Oh, he looks so good in the glasses. At the same time, they look so hot. But the bug motif throughout this movie is so interesting. They have the thing with the butterflies and the moths, um, and they set it up in that scene. And like you watch Lucille feed that dying butterfly to those rats, and they do that fun CGI close up. Sorry, not rats. Sorry, ants. The ants or the ants like eat its eyeball out. You hear them like munching. And AMCR or uh not AMCR uh ASMR and ASMR bug munch ASMR bug munch bug munch oh also with like the clothes so it takes place in 1901 like the present day is 1901 which is the Edwardian era like at the because it's the end um and so. Edith makes like a note of he has incredible clothes, but they're mm-hmm. 10 years behind. And so her, like everybody else's like clothes are kind of like more like lower oh. cut and stuff. And hers are more like Victorian style, oh. like more like Lucille's out of date. Mean? Yeah. Oh, that makes sense a lot too. That really makes a lot of sense. Um, Yeah. I just think 
they do a good job of like you're kind of in this like lackadaisical like love haze at the beginning of this movie and then it just goes so hard so fast so quick i think that the murder of of cushing of carter cushing the dad is so fucking brutal there's something about when someone's face gets like bashed the fuck in like oh my god that haunts me you saw that skull get like crushed in for sure and i was just like who the fuck would think that he just fell down he (laughs) fell down 20 times times well how far how hard did he fall down they did make a whole point um and i wonder if they really explored this after the fact but when they brought um edith in to identify the body and then charlie hunnam is trying to be like let me take a look at this she's being like no like that's my dad like she yeah i mean has a very understandable emotional response and he should have um but i wonder like if they did really you know what i mean because they're kind of like 1901 they probably a little bit but they probably were like well she's already off like what are we gonna do now like we're not gonna extradite them from england um although i wonder if that was even a thing back in the day but probably but i actually have no idea because i'm not a historian but anyway i I just think that the pacing also like right after the death was like really smartly done because like as someone who's lost a parent, like everything really is sort of like this like grief hazed blur in the aftermath. And that's totally what like happens in the movie. Like we see the funeral, we see her completely out of touch with what's going on, just staring into the middle distance. And then like all of a sudden she's engaged. Well, she's engaged at that point. She's engaged and she's at Allerdale Hall. Alderdale Hall? They're married. uh, They're married. Yeah. yeah. Everything. They're engaged, married, and she's in England. Are they married? Yeah. I wasn't sure. Once she gets there, they're married. They're married, yeah. Okay, because she's still, later in the movie, she's still signing the paperwork with her maiden name. But I also feel that would be very in character of her to keep her maiden name. So this this is like almost a two-hour movie. and. but it doesn't this is one of those where it doesn't feel like it's a two-hour movie like the pacing like there's a lot of stuff (laughs) there's a lot of stuff that (laughs) happens and I think the pacing of the movie is like very well done so like by the time like the climax hit I was like are we already there oh my god like yeah no I agree with you like it's a slow burn but it also is just paced so well like there's blips of excitement throughout you know um and I don't know, it's just all the details of it. Like the scene when he carries her over the threshold, like, and you just see this insane house, these like the size of the door, how huge it is. It's just this like labyrinth the, of the insanity. fact that it has no roof. Like you can yeah, that it's just open hole. Yeah, it's dilapidated. It is so beautiful it's so awesome because it's It's exactly like what they are what lucille and thomas are like they are beautiful they're covered they're wearing these riches like they can tell that they're well educated they're fancy they're british um you can see that it used to be really and wrong with them just like the house the house looks beautiful on the outside it's very rich and fancy there's a big fucking hole in the ceiling and it's sinking into the earth (laughs) yeah how it like used to be really grand and now it's just like a little ruined yeah yes the way that she walks in and he's immediately like 
it's kind of a shit show. We are sinking into the ground. Everything is blood red. Um, You're going to learn to live with it. It's fine. Like that house has so much mold brewing in there with that open hole to the elements. Oh, totally. It's just, it's also just like popping the bubble. Not that she was in this like, like marital, marital bliss before that, because like she was again, like grieving and so sad. Dad. but like just before her dad died she was like so in love and it was so romantic and blah 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 and she's like this is this amazing man from england and then she walks through the door and she's like oh shit's a lot more fucked than i thought it would be and then yeah, immediately weird and it's just Lucille's immediately like, no, you can't have the keys, honey. Like <laughs> I do like, think actually, um, no. Yeah, I think they show the progression of Edith's feelings really well because the one of the first things we see from her is like her going to pitch her book to Mr. Ogilvy or whatever his name was. Um played by Jonathan Hyde, who's in Anaconda, and he's oh. also in the mummy. Oh, our good dear friend from Anaconda and the Mummy, Jonathan Hyde. Oh, yes. um, love him. Didn't recognize him. I guess I never will because I didn't recognize him in the Mummy either at first. Um, but she, he's like, what about a love story? And she's like, he only wants that because I'm a woman. Like, I don't want to do a love story. Like, that's not my whole thing. If I submit this under a man's pen name, if I type it up instead of writing it with my lady, like loopy handwriting, then I can tell the story that I want. But she meets Thomas Sharp and she starts to be like, okay, like I could do like a little love story in like a chapter or two. Like I could do a little bit of a love story. Um, and to see her warm up to that idea and come around to putting it in her book, like of her own um, free will, I think was a really great way of showing her feelings growing without having to like get into the weeds of them especially because we don't even see like a proposal or anything like that you know what I mean we just go from like he's breaking her heart um he says I only broke your heart because my your dad told me I had to now her dad's dead and she's got the ring on her finger um Mm -hmm. What my question is, I guess, is like, where do we think things changed for him? Because obviously we know from his motives early on that he knows whoever he picks, it's like a death sentence for them. Um, But he clearly likes something about her to be like abandoning the Eunice plan. I think reading her novel, I think, is the reason why he like switched to her. Yeah. I mean, reading the the bio, I have a little info on that because it says exactly Um, because like he is like immediately like taken by her. He reads her book like right away, like he reads those pages and and there's a lot of context to it. But at this point in his relationship with Lucille, they've just gone through like a ton and they're on like rockier terms. So basically, I, I don't know if this is a good time for me to explain the backstory or do you have more you want to oh, say about this? Because I think I need to explain the backstory for it to make more sense. Okay. Um, um Timeline-wise, though, do we rem- – I don't remember off the top of my head at least. Do we remember which wife was the one taking care of Le Bebe? It was Enola. It was Enola. the last – it was the last Yeah, okay. Well, wife. there you go. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, so – Basically, with their backstory, it's really, really fucked up. Um, They were, like, abused, like, from the beginning. Like, the dad, like, 
It was they the were like, yeah, they didn't love each other. The parents didn't love each other. They only had explicitly. It says they only had sex two times ever, and it was to have these two babies. Lucky, good um, timing. And they fucking right? hated Lucille because they didn't want to fuck again. Um, and she was a girl, and they're just trying to they get a boy so they can have an heir. Um, so they're hella mean to her. Um, and so she like had no love growing up, and then like like he was born. Um, and in the, the bio, she's eight years older, so it's different in, in the reality. But they had this wet nurse, and he she would, this is horrifying, prepare yourself. Watch the wet nurse, like, nurse Thomas, and she would, like, feel things. And then she would take Thomas and mimic that with him. And so if you know things about babies, when you do that, it creates, like a like, a bond, you know? And so even from a baby, that was happening. But she didn't really understand what she was doing totally. It's a weird thing. I don't know. Uh, moving on from that. Then, like, they had a horrible childhood. And it was fucked up. And he would, like, she took all the beatings for Thomas. So mm. he would, like, be able to do whatever he wanted. And she would, like, take it for him because she wanted to protect him and was, like, loved him so much like in a more sisterly way at that, that point but like um she just wanted him to be able to like be his little um fancy boy yeah. self yeah because her her their dad hated him because he didn't like to do manly things he was he was an inventor a, he liked to do things with his inventor. mind they do talk about how he has like baby soft hands so like he yeah. doesn't yeah. Like, work with his hands yeah not he, that his yeah. aristocrat father was probably doing much with his hands either but right Totally. But then apparently once um, Lucille became a woman around 13, 14 years old, she was like figuring out it. And then that's when things started happening. Um, And so they would be doing that, that sort of stuff. And then they got found out. Um, Their mom caught them up in the attic with all the spooky moths. And was like, I'm going to take you guys away from each other forever. This is fucked up. And so that same night, like, oh, they got beat to shit. Thomas stayed upstairs and cried. And then she went down and uh, cut her mom's head Cleaved her mom's head into. Uh, She cleaved her mom's head in the bathtub. Yeah, in the bathtub. But so when Edith gets to the house... And they're always like, oh, the bathtub runs red at first. It's just the clay. Um, it eventually goes away. And then you find out like, oh, no, their mom died in this bathtub. And now the water always runs red. So is it like blood, like the blood of the mother? What is it? It's so chef's kiss. It's so good. There's the also this the weird. Cannot be separated. Right. There's also this weird lore. Um about the moths because there was like they had the clay mines right and one time the clay mines like collapsed and all these like child miners died and and thomas saw the dead children like his age that were covered in like red clay um and it really fucked him up and then he was convinced from then on that the moths had the souls of the dead miners within them isn't this amazing lore sorry it just makes everything so much richer for me so like he was terrified of the moss they both were because like they had infested like their one safe place which was the attic Mm -hmm. anyway um 
So yeah, then they kill the mom. She gets sent away to an insane asylum. Thomas goes and stays with some aunt by the beach, and he develops a hatred for seafood. This is how deep. I'm not kidding. They made him eat mussels all the time and stale bread, so he hates seafood. I know, but they weren't seasoned. Uh, They weren't full of butter (laughs) and uh, white wine and Mm -hmm. dip French fries in them. Sure, sure, no, sure. only way to eat if muscle? it was that, then he would have loved it. Right? Um, he would have been like, I actually only then, eat muscles. Then this is the extra fucked part. So then Lucille like plays the part of becoming a sane person because all she wants is to get back to her brother slash lover, and so she like just acts like she's sane, gets out, and then she is granted custody of Thomas because he's still underage, and then they go back to Alder Al. I can't say it. Allerdale Hall and like basically fuck without abandon. Like well, it she murder. <laughs> like yeah, like she murders the mom, right? And then that's why she. Well, that was way earlier. That was no, no, no. That was away. later. That was a while ago. She got sent away to a sane asylum for years. She acts like she's sane for years, Comes so back. she can convince them to release release her. Then she gets custody of Thomas, and they go to Allerdale Hall, fuck for forever, and then they realize that they have oh, no, no money, and so they have to start doing stuff. And so, like, through, I can't remember all of it, but basically, they, they, who's the first person? Oh, he becomes friends with, like, this older lady who's a spinster who has no one. Like, all these people are obsessed with him. And, like, that, and she has a lot of money and she's giving them a lot of things. And then Lucille's like, hey, this could be good. And kind of, like, pressures him to, like, accept, like, Becoming married to this older woman, yeah, older woman, and then yeah, so they do that, and then she poisons her to death. I skipped the part where they killed the dad. The uh, Lucille killed the dad. <laughs> uh, I believe it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like my another question I have about this film though is like they say it near the end. Um, he's had three previous wives. They always pick someone with no living relatives um, so that they have nothing to live for not th- and, and nowhere to go, I think, also is the takeaway. But, like, what was the plan with Eunice then? She very clearly had at least two living relatives um, that we see within the film. Were they going to off them as well? I mean, like... I don't know. I don't know. I think, like... They're just using that as an invitation to get to America. Just a jumping off point, maybe. Sure. Yeah. Because, like, because um, I think it's also easier because they were going to take her across the pond. Sure. To, like, to to do that. Because all the rest London, of the Edinburgh, that they not killed that far away. Been, Milan yeah, kind of far. Had to go a little farther, yeah. but, you know, still same continent. The Edinburgh one, the second wife, she was, like, the dad was like an old colleague of um their dad, the Sh- the Sharp's dad, and so they like went and stayed with him. And the daughter was like, like disabled and in a wheelchair, and so like took they took advantage of her and killed the dad while they're on the honeymoon. Um, Lu- Lucille Yikes. killed the dad while Thomas and this other girl were on the honeymoon, and then. I don't know, killed her too. And then Enola, um, she, Thomas was like, this. at this point, that's when they start like separating. So basically Lucille's agoraphobic. She doesn't like leaving the house. She just wants to stay in the house and stay in the dark and stay with her love. But 
like Thomas wants to like go and explore. That's why he loves America. He wants to like go and like be out and about and like he's much more fanciful because he hasn't been um you know beat down in the same way as Lucille has. So he sure. finds Enola out there. He might like her too. He brings her back to the house. Or no, he doesn't bring her back to the house. They just become friends. He gives her a a um like invitation to come whenever. They go back to the house. Lucille gets knocked up. They're ecstatic. They're so happy. They lie. They say that somebody else's baby. And then Anola just shows up and she's like, hey, I'm here to visit. And then like takes care of the baby or it like takes care of Lucille while she's pregnant. And then they have the baby and the baby is real fucked up, really fucked up because this is a child of incest. And like Anola tries to take care of the baby but then Lucille like can't stand the baby because it's she's so upset that it's all her hope and it's nothing anymore and it it can't come to pass and like their love just created this this thing it's horrible it's horrible um and so she gets super fed up from the crying and she goes on a rampage and kills Enola and the baby on the same day um in like a what? fit of rage she murdered yes. everybody uh huh yeah uh huh so I do think like, um, the Anola thing. Sorry, you continue and then I'll go. No, no, go, 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 go. I think the Anola thing is super interesting. I will say, um, the first time that I watched this movie, I definitely thought because I slept through the part where she's like listening to the wax re- cylinder oh, recordings, cool. um, and has the the wife reveals, um, and I thought Anola was the name of the baby, and I was like, yeah, I get it. They had an incest baby named Anola. Blah blah. That was enough for me. Um, but watching the film. <laughs> consciously this time I thought it was well done um that her name is Enola and so Edith gets that message when they're like at the post office in town to E sharp and that's like a huge clue for her for like really starting to put things together with like there was a previous lady E sharp before me and like this message is very clearly not for me and like I asked him about has he ever been to Milan and he was like weirdly evasive about it like Mm -hmm. I think that they did a really good job um sprinkling in some clues that like came to her and then some clues that she had to go looking for the unveiling of the mystery is really really well done because the ghosts point her in the right direction she one goes in the closet oh my god that was so scary scary. she's freaking out and then she's like wait no like these ghosts aren't trying to hurt me like i think they're trying to tell me something ghosts come with warnings like all that together i'm just saying girl power (laughs) seriously but all that to say is just that like at that point tom hiddleston was or not sorry thomas was like on his way out of love with lucille because they wanted like opposite things but he was still super drawn to her because they're so trauma-bonded like a horribly fucked up relationship that he was kind of like Pulled into groomed. from his yes, groomed. groomed from his birth. Literally, yeah. But even if she birth. was only two years older, and it wasn't like so was much of like grooming him. An, I mean, sure, but even if that was like less the case, clearly he was not getting love from his parents. So whatever love he was getting from her was the only love that he was getting. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, regardless of the. Even if he, there's no active like 
perpetration of abuse um the fact that they're locked together in an attic and they only have each other um for affection and affirmation and care and whatever 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 um that is really hard to to break the cycle of and turn away from even when you're starting to get it from other places and he is starting to get it from edith But yeah, he's like been with her his entire fucking life. So it's so hard to pull away from that. And then like he knows that she has this like monstrous side, but then she justifies it as a means to protect him, to protect their relationship, to protect their love. He killed she killed the mom because she was trying to take them apart away from each other. She poisoned the dad because he beat the shit out of Thomas. I didn't mention that. Um, she killed all these other wives so they could have the money, money. So they could continue their life and bring Alderdale Hall, maybe I'll say I said it right that time, like back to its former glory so they can live in this like ecstasy in their their beautiful home, you know? And so like he is bad because he lets her do these horrible acts and he does not stand up to it, but he like hides from the truth of it too it's just so complicated and it's so well thought out yeah yeah the thing with him though is um he's dumb is not the word he's a little blind to who lucille is um because again I think it's still a little hinky like when he starts to go from like by marrying Edith I know that I have put a target on her to um actually I maybe I love Edith I mean I know we know that the night that they spent away from the home is like a real turning point in their story um and they like sleep together and he's never slept with any of the other previous wives before um and so that's how Lucille really knows that shit is hitting the fan for them but when he's saying to her like we could leave like we could go away we could all go like in his mind he has this little fantasy like they could that all be the together. three of them whether them, or not he's like with lucille yeah. romantically he's like we could still be in each other's lives we could still have that love and he does not realize that for her it's like all or absolutely fucking nothing, nothing. no he's he's so blind to it like he's that delusional like he's turned- yeah, he's turned the blind eye to to so many of the things that she's he's she's done. He's been living in this like weird bizarro coping fantasy, you know. And and you see in the movie he was so miserable with all, all of those wives cuz like he was so in the photos, like in that yeah. mm-hmm. in the photos and, she's and like, in the love tape. Me. And he's like I'll do a little poem about a cat being murdered um right. super romantic yeah it really I love spoke that. to me i love that romance it's so nice who killed um, the little pussy cat i don't know babe what are you doing what the fuck are you talking about this is supposed to be a cute little thing <laughs> but i do love like in the photos we see the dog uh mm-hmm. that shows up and it's anola's dog and it has like the, she's like holding the dog in the ball and yeah. I hate that they were like, I thought you killed this. He's like, I left it out there. I don't know how it survived. See, he's so impact. Like, he's, he's so. Soft. Yeah. Like, just he like just his like hands. He's lets too it soft. go. Yeah. He just lets everything go. He's just like, oh, it'll work itself out. He doesn't he won't take action, you know? Um, And yeah, I think he really does like love Edith in his way that he can. Um, And sees her as like the hope for him to get out like I think he really loves her so much but he knows 
that he loves that he loves Lucille too. It's so fucked up. Like particularly in the scene where it's revealed that they're having a fun incestuous relationship. Um, he does not look rather. And she's jazzed. singing to him the whole time, which is such a choice. It is so like, let me sing you a lullaby, baby, as I jerk you off. Like literally, that's what's happening. Sorry, that's what's happening. It it's is. so fucked up. It's so fucked up. And he doesn't look like he's, like, having a sexy time. He looks like he's having a pensive time that is filled with trauma. Not that I mean, it is really just interesting, the, like, though, that that was the sex actor that they chose to portray. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that, like, because obviously your mode doesn't have the, the extra hour to say all the things that I just fucking said that are sure. in these bios. But, like, like, I think it does a good job of, like, letting you glean a lot of that like from from subtle details in the film but yeah i mean it really um instead of like a caught in the throes of passion moment for them it really feels like an i'm in control i'm i'm taking I'm care of charge. you kind I'm... of thing for Lucy yeah. oh my god yeah there are all, also all these other details where she like lucille like doesn't want to ever be naked and like she, I don't even know. She's like always the dominant one during their intercourse. And uh, I don't know. There's just so many details that you can see in this. Like she's in control in that situation. Oh, God. She's also in control of him in other regards. Like we see when he's about to go up to Eunice, which is what makes me think the Eunice thing is maybe just like, I don't know what happened there. Um, But when he's about to go up to Eunice at the ball in the beginning, she's like, it's time or whatever she says to him she like whispers something like now is the time um and then she says it to him again when he's about to propose to Edith before the dinner party um and she's yeah. like now is the time um so she is really calling the shots she's running the show for sure totally she orchestrated all of the past marriages so this is just another one which uh. is so fascinating um for her to be like you have to go and do the marriages and be the bait and bring the ladies back, but also do not ever touch them. Like, do not get involved with them. I can't bear to see you with them. Um, but also I am gonna taunt your wives with these little erotic portraits on the sides of the book pages. Right. That was so interesting. Oh, also, um, I just want to give a little shine to Tom Hiddleston's butt. Oh, it's <laughs> so cute. Scene. Just saying. It was really cute, and I liked that they had that little time away together, but I also love, like, the stark contrast of when they get back, and Lucille just goes absolutely fucking apeshit wild immediately, like, grabs the hot pan with her with bare the fucking hands. eggy pan. Oh, right. my God. Just like, I was so scared. I was a lot, like, great cover-up, Lucille. <laughs> like, you can, but, like, totally. you can see her, like, thinking about it like really quick like checking her like why why she was mad you could like see it behind her crazy eyes and checking her rage like she wanted to bash her fucking head in she's really good at that we know that right <laughs> we have seen but it she's like okay maybe we wait until we get all the money first yeah honey let's do the plan before typical impulsive aries doing the murder <laughs> before the bag before is the secured classic <laughs> aries <laughs> Uh, I too feel unbridled rage at time, but you must keep it at bay, Lucille. <laughs> Girly pop. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, her impulsivity definitely gets her regularly throughout the film, um, including when she stabs Thomas in his face. Um, no, let's oh, wait, not do that on. part no, yet. We have to talk <laughs> we have about a lot uh, of other Charlie stuff. Hunat. Uh, yeah, Hunnam. Hunnam. <laughs> Charlie Hunnam, where uh, he's like, something is wrong, something is sketchy. Why are they liquidating all of her, ha- all of this They're like, doing house? They're too fast. Yeah. He's a good boy. He is. He, well, that's, the last check was to Thomas her. Sharp. He is but, in love with her and he went away to medical school and ruined their chances of being together. And that's why you choose Edith over. He never medicine. talked to her about ghosts earlier. That was his mistake. Uh, mm-hmm. But he is like talking, I think with the lawyer, because they're like talking about like, this is really fast. Why are they doing this? And the lawyer says, well, he did meet with this guy from like New York City. Mr. Holly. Yes, because they're in this Buffalo. New York gentleman. But they're in Boston, we, I think. No, they're in Buffalo, mm-hmm. Buffalo, New York. Okay, and um, it is the who's this actor? Is it the creepy guy from Burn Gorman? Is his name Burn Gorman? Oh. And he's he looks in, like, like that. Blinders, right? Isn't that the best thing you've ever seen? He's got to be in Peaky Blinders. No. Uh, he's not Cillian Murphy or however you say that guy's no. name. But no, he's oh, not he was in Pacific Rim. Your favorite, <gasps> Sydney. You said yes. your favorite, Sydney. Yes, I was like, uh, where do I know him and Charlie uh, Hunnam together? And it's Pacific Rim, my one of my favorite movies ever. He plays. Oh no, wait, uh, you know what? The scientist to. Uh, Charlie Day's Charlie Day's boyfriend. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Also, he's in the new Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio movie. So him and Guillermo Ooh. be tight as hell. Also, I really want to see that movie so bad. I heard it's an absolute fucking masterpiece, like this movie. <laughs> Guillermo does not miss. He also played a um a character again. named Elf in a movie called Fred Claus. So good for him. Oh, I think oh. I've seen a clip of him in that because I just immediately <laughs> conjured a picture of him in an elf costume, like immediately. I'm like, I'm not that creative. I've oh. seen that shit before. And he was in Torchwood. Well, there you go. Oh. He's got quite the resume. I mean, he does. Yeah. With a name like Burn Gorman. With a name like Burn Gorman. Him. <laughs> but yeah, no, Charlie, or excuse me, Dr. Alan McMichael. McMichael, uh, what a name. He literally is like, I'm flying. Well, okay, not flying. I don't know. Took a boat? <laughs> did he fly? Did they have planes in 1901? When did planes happen? <laughs> when? Definitely when not went? like international plane travel, I don't think. Okay. Wasn't the Wright brothers in like 1920s, they flew the first plane or whatever. But when was Amelia Earhart? So I don't really know, actually. Wait, no, World One was World War One. They had planes, didn't they have planes? That is so true, actually. They've had like hella planes in World War II. God, two, three beautiful idiots. (laughs) Regular international passenger air service uh began going from oh, that was just international flights. Uh but this would be so like 18 oh, years from so now. He took a boat. He yeah, a boat. so he had to take a boat. He took a boat. He took a boat. He took a boat. He went all the way to that post Which, office. Like, takes takes weeks. a long time. Takes weeks. Takes weeks. Luckily he was on the East Coast, so he didn't have to take a covered wagon 
to the east coast and <laughs> then the take east a boat coast to get to a boat this is commitment all right and then he shows up to the post office he's like let me have your horse and they're like no and he's like fine i'll walk four hours in a in blizzard the winter. like straight up it's a storm and like luckily they heard him when he yelled not that loud come back come to the house when the storm's done the timing of this is very mystical, magical, you know, like it's he her mommy. Okay. Second. Yeah. That is her mommy it's- being like, bitch, I told you twice and you didn't listen to me. Wait. So, okay. I don't, we didn't talk about that. Imagine your whole life. You have had nightmares of this spooky ghost of your mom being like, beware of Crimson Peak. And you've heard it for years and years and years. You hear it again as an adult weeks before your father dies and then you get married to your hubby you show up at his house and he's like oh yeah <laughs> they call it crimson peak <laughs> <laughs> you have like, saved yourself man until after she's been living there for a while like she shows up and the fall leaves are coming in through the ceiling yeah. hole it's only once the first flakes of snow start to reach the ground that he's like wait until you see it when all the snow turns red they call it crimson peak and she's like, God damn fuck. She's like, what? <laughs> what? What did you say? You mean, what did wait, you say? wait, C- crimson peak? Are you sure? There's another word you could use they don't for call red. It red peak, maroon Not peak. Red peak, maroon peak. Rune they don't call it peak. crimson point, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> crimson castle, perhaps. Crimson Hall. Um, there's a lot of options. Oh my god! With that, I'd be out the door. Takes her a little bit longer she tries to be out the door. A little bit. She's like, "Please, can we go somewhere else?" And I think I don't remember the exact chronology if they stay at the post office before or after that. But she's doing her best to get out. She's just unfortunately um being actively poisoned. That is yeah. True. So she does not have a lot of strength. And one thing I do think is interesting is um. I mean, Guillermo del Toro is, like, really into building out the set pieces as fully as he can. Like, they fully built this whole house on a soundstage, um, on a studio. But they also would have multiple pieces of the same furniture item in, like, bigger and smaller sizes that they could use for, like, different emotional effect. Um, And I didn't go back and check, but there's that moment where she's sitting on that big green armchair and is just like absolutely dwarfed by it. Where I was like, I did not remember that being so big earlier in this film. Um, But it's like, it's there to show like how weak and small and like vulnerable she is at that point in the film. Wow. But I just think it's an interesting touch. I also really, really like, um, well, the hair and makeup too. I love that she has that like up through the whole time. And then she has this like, beautiful unkept mane like as things mm-hmm. like fall in the apart. night scenes yeah oh, her, uh, her hair is so beautiful it's so beautiful um and her but little I love that she is wearing like white 90s and like vibrantly like gold yellow, yellow mustard yeah, colors sunshine like a huge contrast to um the crimson uh, that red that we see everywhere i think that and like the dark peels and like blacks that like lucille exclusively wears um i thought for sure that this this movie would have been a really good one to have like a costume designer on um if we had one at our beck and call yes oh my god so we could take tuesday maybe i went uh I don't remember which museum in LA it was, but they had a Guillermo del Toro exhibit. Oh, I think and I went to that. 
they had like all of the costumes from this movie and like all of it was so beautiful the costuming is really stunning i mean like they sell it i mean you're in the fucking world it's so 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 detailed and beautiful oh i want to watch it again like right now i know this is (laughs) I love rewatching this movie. It is such a good, fun rewatch. I love watching it with people. Like I will make, like on dates, I'm like, we're going to watch this. And I'll be like, would you ever fuck your sister? <laughs> and what do they say? <laughs> no. But who knows? Good. It could be lying. I'm glad to good, hear it. Yeah. It's a good it could be lying. Good it's, I guess it's important to know for sure that they wouldn't, you know? One guy was well, like, I don't have a sister. And I'm like. Well, then we'll never know if he would or he wouldn't. Right? Then how will how am I supposed wow. to know? But if you had one, flag. would you fuck her? Yeah. <laughs> um, asking the yeah, hard I, questions over here. You know? I wanted mm-hmm. to watch this with Adam, not for that reason. We're not going down that road. <laughs> um, but he was like, "Oh no, I'm good." And then I told him this was a Guillermo del Toro movie, and he was like, "Oh." And I was like, yeah, eat your words, bitch. Just yeah. because yeah. I'm gushing about Tom Hiddleston doesn't mean it doesn't have substance. <laughs> it's not all about how sexy he is. There's also smart things that I've said and we've said so far. But yeah. Also, he's so sexy. His butt looks really We cute. say smart things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, all, all of that Alan McMichael stuff and he gets there the second shit hits the fan. Um so epic how fucked thomas and lucille are they're like all wins that lucille just fucking threw her down <laughs> the like how many stories is this house so four many stories, stories thank god that balcony, balcony broke her fall partially and the big fluff of snow <laughs> thank god it didn't break her back in the process Although Here's apparently Mia Wesikowska did that stunt herself and she was like on wires and just did like a little somersault. Oh, fun. Good for her. She that was all her stunts. though. That's awesome. Um, I do also love that that Lucille's weapon of choice is the, is the knife because I just think it's such a like a passionate instrument and she's like so ruled by her emotions. Right. It's, it's like so really perfect. up close and personal. So hands yes. on. Yeah. Totally. Like she wants to feel it. Like there's something in the bios too that's like I think the last second to last kill that she did, she like found that she loved doing it by hand. Um and be like, yeah, she poisoned the first girl, she strangled the second girl, and then I think she stabbed the baby and Enola. Well, she butchered like meat yes. cleaved the mom. She meat yes. cleaved meat mommy. Cleaved the mom poisoned meat- the dad. Meat cleaved mommy. Meat cleaved mommy. Great band name. <laughs> Great band name. <laughs> um, but so for this, at this point, she's got a, a, a flavor for it, a spice, you know? And she also uh, can go and think back on her past experiences. But yeah, I mean, Charlie Hedham goes through all of that and then he just immediately gets stabbed in the armpit. Um, In the pit. In the Although pit. I feel like that's a good spot to survive us st- i mean Unless there's presumably some lung. arteries in there yeah, yeah or a lot but it's a good spot to be putting pressure on your own well, your wound i think you know what i mean i know what that would do you hit a lymph node fuck no up your knows. there's some hormones? in there something could happen nothing nothing good i actually um, don't know 
maybe that doesn't have anything to do with your hormones. But yeah, I'm no scientist. So... I'm no Dr. McMichael. Exactly. It's so late in the game that, like you were saying, that Thomas like starts trying actively to save Edith. So that is a mark against him. Just one. Uh. Yeah, he's like, don't drink the <laughs> poison, but mark. let's stay here. We're not going anywhere. And then really only at the end that he starts to be like, maybe I should be getting her out of here. That's a crazy thought. But what if we have this weird thought where maybe she shouldn't be here? Lucille might be dangerous to her. Have you guys heard that? Did Have you guys hear that? I had this crazy thought. Um, I hear know me out. Sister, she would never hurt me. Um, but what if she did? But what if she hurt somebody and that hurt me? Oh my god! He's like learning for the first time that these relationships Double affect each other. Concept. Shocking. Uh. Yeah, I I love when he's like, show me where to hit, to stab mm-hmm. you though to Alan. That's so good. Um, I was just like, thank God he's finally being active in his life for one time ever, and it's very <laughs> short lived. Um, but yeah, I just I mean, the the tail end of this movie is such an emotional roller coaster. I truly was sobbing, and I was like on the edge of my feet, and I was like, see, I was freaking out, and it's. Like, the fact that he thinks that he knows Lucille so well and he knows, like you were saying, like, like you're just saying, like, oh, she would never hurt me. She's always protected me. And so it wouldn't even cross his mind that that she would hurt him. And the fact that she, like, loves him so much, but she's so fucking impulsive and she's so sick that she just, like, will take away the only thing she cares about in her entire life in a fit of rage. Like, that confrontation scene. She has that whole little, like, speech talking about how, like, love is horror and all that kind of stuff. Makes monsters of us all. Can I I read that quote? Because that that quote, I was listening. I was watching the movie and I was like, that quote is the exact feeling of romance month that I am looking for. This encapsulates. (laughs) This is literally encapsulated. This is what she says. But the horror, the horror was for love. The things we do for love like this are ugly, mad, full of sweat and regret. This love burns you and maims you and twists you inside out. It is a monstrous love and it makes monsters of us all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was just like, "That's it." I was like, "That's literally exactly it." Oh God, it's beautiful, and it's horrible. If anybody's been in like a real toxic relationship, I'm like, "Yeah, I get that. I get it. (laughs) I absolutely get it." Oh, it's too burns too hot for the sun. Oh, but like honestly, if you're gonna stab somebody. And you you love them like the face is like such a bad <laughs> fucking place brutal. to do it like fucking brutal. It's like, so personal. Um, yeah, it's so oh. it's such a fuck you, which is exactly what she means it to be because that's when he's being like maybe all three of us and she's like, are you kidding me? Even she's now, like, even at fucking this, for real this right point, now. Yeah, even at this point, you're still trying to make us be together. You're still thinking she could be a part of this. You still don't. I'm not good enough for you anymore. I'm not enough for you anymore. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's horrible, but it's like 
relatable in the way where it's just like you're my whole world and you're telling me that I'm just part of yours now like that like rotation shift of her entire perspective of what's fucking going on oh my god but like this tiny little knife too I think was like really perfect because these tiny little wounds but like the fact that it goes right through her his face and into like the back of his eye just the way that they designed this whole deck oh, was, was so just good so beautiful and haunting like the she way you see his eye immediately with blood yeah mm -hmm. she regrets it immediately she's like oh my god oh my god what have, like, I, what have I done oh it's just like the depth of despair <laughs> oh it fucking hurts it yeah. hurts to see oh jesus um and he fucking rips it out and he's I mean it fucking hit his brain man yeah it's it over. had to that's where oh, your brain lives yeah that's where your brain, your brain is right lives. behind your, your head eye. right behind your eye you know about this I just you, you guys heard about the brain movie I just heard about it from this movie <laughs> <laughs> the more you yeah know. I mean it's it's rough for sure um but I love that it is at that point, like there's nothing left for her to lose. No holds barred. So when she like chases her down into the clay mines at the bottom, which are, it's such a great spooky little locale. Oh, so um, and then she chases her outside and she's like, I am not going to stop until I kill you or you kill me. And I fucking mean that like, yeah, absolutely. She does. She is not. What else yeah. would there be? What for else her? is she going to do? Oh, he's gonna she kill you because so, that's like, the only thing she wants left or you're gonna have to kill her because there's literally no out. other way to, to make her stop and she's just so like unwound and unkept at that point like she's in the nightgown her hair's down she's in this flowing thing when she's been all bundled up in corsets and all this stuff the whole rest of the time and she's just completely like unhinged like physically and mentally um and ah oh god just like having thomas's ghost come out there at the end and that's like the thing that damns distracts her and kills her, her. Enough. distracts he, her enough that she like her head smashed in he's able to like save edith after his death it's like the one thing that he can do to save her oh god so well said and then edith like, like he finally goes and, like, touches his face oh mm -hmm. my god and then i cried like, i have sobbed i, fucking I cried was hysterical i was hysterical it's just like she touches his face but then her hand goes right through and he just drifts away oh man oh and the final quote too that like that like goes surreal and that like what is it some Where? of them are tied to violent acts um, and places, mm -hmm. and then some of them are tied to like an urge, um, a wish, a yeah, hope, or whatever. There and are those others, don't go others, away. yeah, there are others that hold on to an emotion, a drive, loss, revenge, or love. Those they never go away, and it just like it's, it's her place ending. Yeah, and like that was the one place that she ever felt safe, and it was the only place that she wanted to be, and she's there. But I don't think that Thomas's ghost will be there. Yeah, I don't think he stays. And so she's Because it was a violent act. I, he He's, I don't think, like, I don't know if he would, I don't know what the heaven and hell of it all is. I don't think that that's a thing. 
but like the only place he never wanted to be was stuck in that house so his ghost would not be there i don't think and so even and so she's alone like she alone her her worst nightmare and she's alone without him in a in the hell of her own making sad deep sad it's beautiful (laughs) it's so beautiful (laughs) I could throw up. It's so beautiful. I can't stop thinking about it. I'm going to make Adam watch it with me. <sighs> but how could it be gayer? <laughs> um, well, I didn't get to listen to this podcast because I only found this article um, like right before we started recording. And I thought it was an article that I could read. But then it's just like, listen to our podcast. But Bloody Disgusting has a podcast episode actually from three days ago. Oh, wow. Um, oh, with- is it from Horror Queers? Yeah, 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 yeah. The queer I undertones saw of Lucille and Crimson about... Peak. And I went, yeah. I also saw queer undertones for Lucille and Crimson Peak. Yes, yes So I think yes. we should discuss them. Discuss. I don't know what their points were, but like the beginning with the butterflies and she's like stroking her. And at first she's like really trying to warn um, Thomas to pick somebody else. And it's like, she's just a baby. And then it's like this weird jealousy like part of that is does does read as queer to me for sure like if you told me that Lucille was a lesbian but she just has this like trauma bond with Thomas and it like manifests as a sexual relationship because that's just the way that it worked out for them when they were younger and it's just the way that their relationship is now I would totally believe you I I buy into that I could see that and also I could see how that's how she doesn't see any other life beyond him because it's 1901 and right. it's not like there's lesbians everywhere you know for her to I or mean there are secret, but yeah. there are but Always she doesn't like know okay. about of course there's lesbians everywhere you gotta play it a little no, cooler there's not two like girlfriends walking down the street in their cute little outfits and the updos, you know um so she doesn't see any other option besides and she could also be bi she's that's true what was it what's it called when you're bi but like you like one person of whatever gender and then everyone else of the other gender she likes one man and it's her brother and then every woman that exists yeah i don't know i've just heard of people saying something like that before um so that's classic (laughs) um when thomas stabbed Alan, that was a little gay. <laughs> like that's like penetrating. I'm just saying. Like, what, what's one man doing penetrating another? another. Yeah. Gay. They're staring deeply into. And they like did it together, eyes. a joint. Yeah, act. like gay. Listen up, men. Murder is gay. Okay. Murder is gay. Ugh. I just think it's so stupid that Thomas told Lucille, like, let's all three of us go away. That's the polyamory um, part that makes this gay. Um, but you cannot force polyamory upon someone, Thomas. Get your shit together, Thomas. Yeah, you can't just be like, and we're all girlfriends now. No. no. <laughs> nope, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. You get um, stabbed in the face for that. <laughs> I do think the ghosts of all three previous wives are girlfriends, though. They formed oh, yeah. a dead girlfriend Ooh. union, you know? I love that. I love the that. mom is not a part of it, though. No, 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 no. no it's a girlfriend. Yeah. Thing. I just want to be clear that she's Wags, wives, and girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> um... Also, just like a side thing, I love that like um, 
Edith's mom, her ghost is black and she died of like, what is it called? Black cholera. Black cholera. cholera. Yeah. So it's like that was black. And and then the bodies were red because they were all dumped in those pits. Yeah, I loved that detail. And I I did not like put that together at all my first watch. Um, But when I watched this one, I was like, well, she's like, covered head to toe with their veil because it was like a sickness that was spreading it was like a plague yeah um and then thomas at the end obviously is like white and see-through and like pasty um because he exsanguinated as well um and oh, well yeah. and also i was wondering everybody why in this movie like that. is white and pasty so every single person that was his Winter baseline and then England. he could only go more yeah exactly. um but the the red spooky like waxy ghosts are so cool because we know that their bodies are in the clay. Yes, yes. And then when you it really drives it home when you see the body bubble up that one time. Oh, she just so stayed good. for one more second. Maybe she would have left earlier, but you know, then we wouldn't have the, the wrenching ending. Sure. <laughs> um, okay, where would Matthew Lillard be in this film? Um I just want to nominate him for Holly really quick. I think that Ooh, he would be a great oh. Holly, though I love Bern Gorman. Wait, sorry. Um, When Lucille wears the suit to sneak into the men's club and do a murder, that's gay. Oh, that is also gay. That is gay. Mm-hmm. That's so gay. Super Jessica gay. Jessica Chastain in a suit, thank you. Gay. With her gay. little gloves. Jessica Chastain gay. in anything. Gay. Makes me feel gay. Er. <laughs> Every second. <laughs> Um, but yeah, for Mr. Holly, I like that casting for Maddie Lilly. That would be good. He could be Mr. Per- or Orgoville or whatever. <laughs> Orgoville, mm, mm-hmm. the book. What man. if he was one of the people at the ball in the beginning who went <gasps> when um he started waltzing with uh Edith instead of Eunice? Eunice. Is that Eunice. not her name? Eunice. Oh, well, whatever. Um, what if he was one of the servers with the candlesticks? Um, when they're taking the candelabras away, and then he takes. It sounds like you. You just want to see him one of those old-fashioned suits, and I agree. Yeah, I I mean, old-timey tails. Mm -hmm. I agree. (laughs) Put him in a top hat. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Any of the characters where he gets to wear a top hat. That's a great spot for him, I think. Yeah, he could work at the post office. They wear, do they wear top hats at the post office? <laughs> they could. It's England. He can be that one. They can put him in age makeup, and he can be that one guy who almost go, like blows their cover immediately when they bring Edith to the house for the very oh, first yeah. time. And he's like, oh, yes, Mr. Shep's been married for a long time. <laughs> that right. random guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I think those are all really good spots for him. Um, who's the dumb bitch of this movie? <laughs> oh, I mean, I think it's Thomas. I know. Oh, Thomas. He got a target. Thomas. His first target had so many living relatives they would have had to murder one by one. His second target is somebody he had some sort of genuine interest in, which is already a recipe for disaster. Then he falls in love with her. Then he sleeps with her. Then he goes to his sister he's also sleeping with and says, what if we were all together? What if we were a throuple right now? What do you think? I know you think Edith is hot. 
I've seen the way you almost hit her with a frying pan. (laughs) (laughs) I saw you tenderly stroke her cheek with a dying butterfly. (laughs) You only do that for the special girls you love so much. Oh, man. Um, Yeah, I agree with you, even though I feel the way I feel about him. Yeah. And I, I think love that's okay. an emergency Dumb. therapy session. <laughs> Look, some men are a little stupid. That he's doesn't mean they're not nice, worthy of love. He's a nice Edwardian himbo, okay? He exactly. doesn't get it. Other than all the murders, totally. Himbos can well, do murders. Just, no, he just looks the other way. He just goes upstairs. And he's Himbo's like, oh, where'd they go? Respect women like, juice. They don't get their wives murdered on purpose. Yeah. He was respecting his sister. <laughs> It's feminist, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. His sister yeah, lover, Thomas. okay? Like, feminism. Sure. He actually was so loyal to his true love. Um, And the murder is really just a byproduct. It doesn't have anything to do with them being women. Yeah. Exactly. No, it had nothing to do with that at all. Oh, he could have had husbands. Well, that would have made the movie gayer if he had husbands. But do we want that? Don't know. I mean, I always totally wanted to be gayer, but sure. 1901 gay men, they're already going through so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, he's the dumb bitch. Yeah. I, yeah, he's he's got to be. Sorry. <laughs> he's got to be. He's my dumb bitch. My special. But he's special my dumb bitch. bitch. <laughs> he's my dumb bitch. Um, okay. Knives out of fives. I know that this got a bad rap, but like... Ugh. I guess I have to hear what it was. I'm going to be offended. <laughs> well, um, it got 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb, which is not terrible. Um, and critics liked it okay. It was 73% fresh from critics. Oh, okay. It was, however, 55% rotten from audiences. Uh, so it like did did better critically than it did with audiences um it did get nominated for a lot of awards from like different um guilds in the industry and like different horror festivals and stuff like that um like the costume design was nominated um at the costume designers guild awards it didn't win but it was nominated which i thought was great it should have won costumes were great I wonder what did win that for, year. Like, Oscars and shit too. This is world class costume design. This is world class set design. And just getting so fed up with the neglect of this genre because there's some like really moving films. Here's in the thing. It. I think this could have been Oscar worthy. Just like it seemed like if, Ew, if and the do... Danish girl won that year. Mm. Well, I don't know how the costumes are in there. Maybe the costumes are fantastic, but I've seen part of it on a plane and the costumes were nice. (laughs) But yeah. No, it's just, it's such, it's, I mean, I just feel bad for the Academy. They're fucking missing out. There's so much to be gleaned here. It's not like there's some fun, dumb stuff too. And the fun, dumb stuff is amazing, but there's stuff that's just as moving. If uh, as, as Armis' performance in Blonde can get nominated for an Oscar, right. that movie had a lot more hokey shit in it than some horrors do. So clearly... Yeah. Here's the thing. Jessica Chastain should have 100% gotten a nomination for like Best Supporting Actress because she, yes. in this movie, was so good. So good. So subtle. So nuanced. So unhinged when she needs to be like great at the piano um look sexy Learned i mean the piano what more just could for you this role want? oh wow 
Damn. She learned I got, I got more piano when she was in Mama time previously. Got, got more piano time than Vera Farmiga did in Orphan. Damn. Which Vera's not about. <laughs> I know. Vera's writing letters about it. I know as she should. Um yeah, I mean, I I would have supported that so hard. Not that like I can vote for the Oscars, but they, but you're if not I want to add me to the Academy at any point, <laughs> I will accept the screeners. As a film critic, as a critic, as, as, as a movie film goer, critic, we have a letterbox. Okay, we, we have, have a letterbox. A bajillion episodes. We've done one hundred with grace and aplomb. Nineteen episodes. This is our hundred and twentieth episode. Wow, we okay. are professionals. Hmm. Um. Okay, I'll go first because I made you guys watch this. Um, okay. This is five out of five for me. <laughs> I'm feeling generous in 2023. This is like, it's world class. It's haunting. It's beautiful. It was a huge disservice to this movie that it was marketed the way that it was because. Um, if people knew what they were getting into, I think it would have opened up a whole new audience for people like they're like people who love period pieces, people who love romances, any of that. There's horror elements in it. But like, come on, you can handle something a little spooky. It's not a good uh, it's a metaphor in it. It's a, it's a metaphor. OK, uh, for the past. <laughs> um, but it, it's beautiful. I, I I've said everything that I need to say already in this episode. It was fucking stunning and it's a gift and i need to go onto super yaki's website right after this and see what crimson peak merch they have so i can buy it because i'm feeling passionate and buy it all for me yeah same i fucking love this movie i've loved it forever i rewatch it constantly it's one of my like sweet spot movies that i'm like mm, oh, like when i say like oh, i want to watch a love story this is what yeah. i want to watch <laughs> I just like I really need to talk to my therapist next week about how I feel about Thomas. So I'm like I'm like biting my tongue to not be like it wasn't really his fault or blah blah blah. It is he's really bad. I'm just like what if he could have been alive still? No, no, it was still really bad. Like he needed to die, but. But what here if I am still? But what if he came back to life and loved me? You well, but here's me. the thing: <laughs> fix him, Monica. I can fix him. Here's the thing: <laughs> him asking his sister and Edith to be in a throuple, bad. But Edith Allen and Thomas being in a throuple, good. Yes, I'm listening. Good. good. I am listening. All ears. We saw so- him penetrate him. Thomas penetrates Alan, so we know that that's there. So I'm just saying, maybe when he was like, we can all leave out of here, he wasn't talking about Edith, and that's why she got mad. He was like, actually, we're going to be in a throuple. I said that my other polycule um, (laughs) deuces, though. Bye, bestie. Thanks for nothing. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to feel my... the way that I do. <laughs> I do like the you movie. You shouldn't. I, I am waiting on anyone. Yeah, I'm waiting for my atmospheric moment of connection. Um, I I think the film is well put together. I don't think that it is ideal that I fell asleep and really didn't miss a lot plot wise but also maybe that's great and also maybe I'm the smartest woman in the world um which you know is a there's a high chance of that I think um 
that said, like, I'm not, like, feeling it, but I recognize that it is good. You know what I mean? And maybe it's not perfectly for me. Um, but I think it is, it's gorgeous. There's so many really cool details about it. The ghosts are so cool. I do love that they are there to warn for the most part, to help for the most part. Um, but they just like have these like monstrous appearances because uh, they've been murdered in monstrous ways for one. And also like they're dead and they're coming from another plane. And so they just don't appear to us in the way that friendly things in our world appear to us. Um, but a lot, so so much of the aesthetics of this film is just like bang and very cool. Um, so I would give it like a solid 4.4 knives out of fives. Um, and I would be willing to revisit that if I saw it later down the road and felt, um, the, the bloom of love in my heart for it. Sinespia, do this Sinespia. so we can make Chelsea do Find five a little five bit of a misty rainy day and then give me the VIP experience. Do a fall screening for Chelsea listen to what I want is what I had when I saw Carrie there and that's that was incredible so I'll put in a good word with the big man when I go to the Senespia Valentine's Day ball because I'm doing that gorgeous I'm gonna be on a date so if you're also there just don't be weird about it with caution (laughs) (laughs) yeah Monica's gonna be hot and horny with podcast boyfriend Adam or maybe somebody else who knows who who knows Adam it's Adam. <laughs> Sorry, I'm taking y'all's boyfriend out for Valentine's Day too. Sorry so about that. So first. What I am I first. supposed to do on Valentine's Day? Yeah. Well, you now you know think where about I'm that, be. Monica. We'll never know. <laughs> well, there's much. There's more love going around because it's still Romance Month, and it's continuing next week. And Sydney, I feel like you're the most passionate about this movie. Do you want to introduce it? <laughs> okay, so. Uh, this movie might have changed my life. I only saw it once, so who knows how I feel uh, when we watch it again. But it gave me a lot of feelings, kind of like how Monica had feelings uh, with this movie. And that is Bones and All, a cannibalistic <laughs> love story. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's special because we all got to see it together too. So I'm excited to we really did. dive into it now. Yeah, I am so excited to watch it again. I stole my friend's screener. And so I'm going <laughs> to watch it at my house. <laughs> nice. And I'm really excited to just really soak it all in because I think I was overstimmied when I saw it the first time. And so I'm excited to be in a room alone <laughs> privately with Timothy. <laughs> I was so flavor blasted when we saw this that I was literally like glued to my seat, like being like, <gasps> Oh my God. So I'm <laughs> plan on way. recreating <laughs> that exact thing and rewatching it you again. Should. Cause I don't think I could watch it any other way. Sure. Well, sure, that sure. Sounds great. That sounds like a really good idea. Oh uh, yeah. So the romance continues next week with bones and all. Um, and so, you know, what's a romantic thing that you could do um, during this romantic season? You could write us a love letter on Apple Podcasts I or Podchaser. I forgot that's a thing. Um, and also Spotify. You could give us five stars and then we'll know that you said, I love you as you clicked five stars. We'll know. Um, so consider that. We love love. Um, Somebody has to have a crush on one of us. Please let us know. It's very important yeah. to us. 
It's anonymous. You can make your username whatever you want on a Apple Podcast review. So it could be like, you don't know who I am, one, two, three. And then you can say, I'm in love with Chelsea. She is the light of my life. Scary. Flattering. opportunity for you. Think about it. Um, you can also follow us on social media at spooky underscore Tuesday. I said that weird at spooky underscore Tuesday at TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We are releasing all of our videos, all of our, our episodes on YouTube, um, including now season two. Wow. So wow. if you, that really gets you going, go to YouTube and like and subscribe. And we're also on Facebook and Tumblr at spooky Tuesday pod and on Letterboxd at spooky Tuesday. Thank you for listening, Spookies. I love you. Bye, Spookies. I also love you. What about you, Chelsea? Do you love them? Do you love them, Chelsea? Chelsea? Yeah. <laughs> she won't say it. She's shy. <laughs> Ghosts are real. This much I know. Spooky Tuesday was created by Monica Height, Sydney Thompson, and Chelsea Duff, and edited by Sydney Thompson. Our gorgeously spooky tunes are all thanks to Tamara Simons, who you can follow on Instagram at Captain Tamara, and our podcast art is by Mary Murphy, who you can find on Instagram at the underscore moon underscore omg. 